Okay, guys, we are joined from the Scott and Holman podcast by Dustin Renzik. Dustin, welcome to the thank you. To welcome to the pod. Uh, this is the Illuminati podcast. We are seven and zero. It's a miracle that we're seven and zero, <laughs> uh, but we are terrified of your team. Legitimately, totally terrified for two reasons. One, you have a totally explosive offense um, that can absolutely score with anyone. It seems like. And that can be, you know, certainly an issue because USF hasn't really been tested in that area yet. You are on the numbers the best team we've faced this season. Um, and also, USF didn't play real well last week down for the last 22 <laughs> minutes or so and have not really put a full game together. Tell us a little bit about your team and what you've seen so far because I know you guys are a little disappointed as to where you are uh, right now as well. Yeah, uh, you sound a little bit more optimistic about our offense than I do. Okay. Uh, I think it certainly has the potential to uh, to be the offense that you were describing there, but it uh, it has shown the ability to just completely shut down uh, as well. Uh, look, you know, look at the Tulsa game or or the second half versus uh, Arizona, second half versus Rice, uh, basically the whole game until garbage time versus Texas Tech. Um, so I think uh, you know part of the, part of the issue with the offense is you know when it, when it's going really well and the the read option run game is working, then uh, the offense can look pretty good. But we haven't really developed the intermediate pass game a lot. It's kind of either the short little screen passes, the option run, or we take a we take a shot deep. And so when teams have uh, been able to stop the run and been able to not give us a bunch of yards and screen screen passes, the offense has kind of come screeching to a halt. So it's certainly uh, been an up and down thing. And the defense uh, had you know was the uh, the strength of the team the, uh, the, for the at the start of the year for sure. And then uh, the last couple weeks against Tulsa and Memphis has given up a combined 80 points in the last two second halves that it played in. So um, other than other than those two halves, uh, I'm I'm pretty confident with the way the defense has played this year. But those were two uh, pretty difficult halves to just completely write off. So we've definitely seen kind of the upside from what this team can do, but also uh, we've seen them you know have a have a hard time putting a full game together on both sides of the ball. Sounds familiar. We have uh, I, I saw the uh, the Memphis game and you guys put up a big lead, kind of uh, throw it away with both hands there late. Uh, two late picks on the last two drives from from Kyle Postma, and then you go into the Tulsa game where Tulsa's given up you know uh, six seven hundred yards to flag football teams, and you guys only were able to put seventeen on them. What's been the difference? What what makes it? Is it just run game? Is that is people ability to get like that you know four or five yards on first down so that people have to step up and then stop you? Like what's the what's been the difference between when it's clicking and when it's not clicking? Just ability to establish run. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Uh, once you know, in games that we've established the run, we can usually at least get something out of the uh, the passing game, kind of playing off of that. Uh, I think the really strange thing with the Tulsa game was was how often they were throwing the ball early, and uh, it, that was something that that a lot of the fans kind of kind of bought into. When the uh, if the offense struggles, everyone immediately wants to throw the ball more because we're a school that has had a lot of success throwing the ball in the past. So if we're not doing well, everyone wants to throw the ball all over the park. Um, but that's not necessarily Kyle Postma's uh, you know biggest strength to throw the ball all over the park. Um, so the fact that he threw the ball like 41 times in the Tulsa game against a team that had the worst uh, rush defense in the country, I believe, heading into that game in Tulsa. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a ton of success early, and then we just kind of went away from it early and started throwing the ball a bunch Was in, in very windy conditions, which was was pretty surprising. So, yeah, I mean, there's just – I would say, again, yeah, the, the ability to establish the run is the biggest thing. And then, um, you know, just it feels like some some games the, uh, the coaching staff has, has – some tricks up its sleeves and to know what it's doing with uh, with play calling and sometimes it just gets very uh, very predictable. So, like I said, it's, it, pretty much everything about this team has been uh, up and down and and that's been no different. Sounds like a looking in a mirror, like a four. They're like a four and three USF. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, if you guys try to establish a run, it's going to be a little bit harder this week without uh, Dylan Burden. What did he bring to the table for you guys? He 
and what how will you guys replace it yeah, he uh, he was was definitely coming on as of late. He's got a little bit of a slow start. He was one of the very popular players, a team captain. Um, he was actually he walked on from it from a junior college, and they, they actually played him for the first game of last year. He was a defensive back until they moved him back to running back. Um, and so he's you know he's a really very well respected guy and a guy who is you know has, has been able to to crack some big runs in uh, in the run game, which is something that we've we've been lacking uh, a lot this year. So. We do still have uh, Duke Catalan, um, who's gotten the bulk of the carries at running back this year, but he's, he hasn't broken the big plays as much. We'll likely see Mulbacar, who's a sophomore running back, step up and replace Burden. Um, he is he's he's definitely shown some flashes this year. He hasn't been as consistent as Burden has, but um, you know Burden is a senior, um, Mulbacar sophomore. So you know it is you know the injuries is kind of forcing the Cougs to to play for the future a little bit, um, which is maybe not the worst thing given that I just I don't see the team climbing back into the West race with as inconsistent as they've been this year. So it's time to talk about Ed Oliver. He is, you know, we we were trying. I was thinking back, and I've you know, been around this team since my undergrad years. And um, USF basically the first game they ever got shut out. Mario Williams from NC State just basically one-handedly dominated a game as a down lineman. Mm-hmm. Um, we think Ed Oliver is probably going to be the best guy we've seen since then, and that was 12 years ago. So he is just an absolute freak of nature, uh, a five-star guy who normally would have gone to a bigger school for, you know, a Tom Herman apparently, I, you can probably tell us more about the recruiting story of how Tom Herman was able to keep him in Houston. But he's a guy that when I've watched, you know, gets double teamed, gets chipped, gets everything, and yet he still leads your team in tackles for loss and just creating havoc, you know, inside, you know, A gaps and B gaps. What, how, uh, what's the best way to defend him and, and how scared should we be? Yeah. Um, so yeah, just to start with the to touch on the recruitment a little bit. That was Herman's first big coup in recruiting. That was really the birth of the whole uh, you know H Town takeover slogan. That's pretty synonymous with Cougar athletics at that point. Was you know Herman pitching the idea of you know making Houston the U, the new uh, University of Miami and getting all the the local kids to stay home and create a program uh, create a power program that has traditionally not not been a power program. Um, and he was the first domino to fall. And he really in a lot of ways kind of you know, legitimized that uh, that movement for a lot of other, you know, recruits in Houston, because obviously that uh, that turned a lot of heads. Um, but yeah, he's he's been everything as advertised uh, since he got here. Um, you know, we just we, we routinely seen him double and triple teamed and, and often he's he's fighting through that anyway. So um, the the uh, the only you know downside is, is he he did hurt his uh, hurt. Him, I think it was a knee a couple of a uh, couple weeks ago. I uh, played the SMU game at he, he declared that he was at 75 percent for that one. Um, and then has kind of you know looked like he's getting getting back since then. So um, the, the the only the only thing that maybe slow him down is if he's not at 100 percent. But even if he's at 75, 80, 90 percent, whatever it is, yeah, he's the only the only comparison I can really think of is uh, is Indomitian Sue. And I remember watching him play for Nebraska that last year and watching him you know just eat Texas's lunch. And uh, that, that's really the only comparison I think. And just in terms of a guy that you can know he's coming, you can put two or three guys on him and he might blow the play up anyway. So it is. It has been a, a joy to watch him, and hopefully by the time he leaves, likely after his junior season next year, uh, hopefully we'll have a, a more successful team around him than we've had, you know, last year and this year. Yeah, if you guys didn't get to see him, I mean, he was maybe the the, the best true freshman football player in the country last year, offense or defense. You know, 65 total tackles and 22 tackles for a loss and five sacks, and he's getting double teamed every time. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's like, it's just ridiculous. What he did in that Oklahoma game that you guys opened the season with last year was mm-hmm. just terrifying things. i remember i was i was at disney <laughs> for my girlfriend's birthday and uh, i was like babe we got we kind of have to watch this game i'm sorry we're, <laughs> we're gonna have to postpone going to magic kingdom for a couple hours 
Yeah, he was unbelievable. Also, uh, tell us a little bit more about your defense and guys who uh, can make plays. Is, is there a cover corner that we need to watch out for, or, uh, a specific, specific linebacker who's going to run game, things along those lines? Well, uh, the biggest the biggest question in the linebacking core is Matthew Adams, who is our, our top returning linebacker and our, has been our best linebacker this year. He actually did miss the Memphis game with an injury. Last I saw from uh, from the beat writer Joseph Duarte was saying he was kind of a uh, you know questionable for for this week's game. So that that'll make a big difference because he's he's definitely one of the uh, the captains, the leaders on the defense. And then uh, obviously you know about Ed Oliver on the defensive line. Obviously we've got some other some other good guys there. But the biggest question mark that I think we had heading into this year was a secondary because that's where we lost. You know, a couple guys to the NFL um, lost like three starters out of the secondary. We're we're replacing a lot, um, so I wouldn't say that there is one shutdown cover corner in there. Honestly, until the second half of the Memphis game, the secondary had pleasantly surprised me. It had been one of the pleasant surprises this year. That you know they went up against Shimanek from Texas Tech and didn't totally get you know burned. They went up against Ben Hicks uh, and didn't uh, didn't do very you know did a gave a decent account of themselves in both of those games. And then you know obviously the first half against Memphis we shut them out um, with Adams out. So I was. I mean, at halftime, I was absolutely singing the praises of this defense. I couldn't believe they're they're doing so well. And and by the end of the game, people were yelling for the firing of, of defensive coordinator Mark Genofrio. So, um, <laughs> you know, was, like I said, you know, it comes back to the same thing. There's there's definitely talent there. Um, Jeremy Winchester is one one cornerback who they uh, the coaching staff was real high on this year, and he's kind of had his ups and downs. And um, Isaiah Johnson is kind of an interesting prospect that's been at cornerback. He actually switched over from wide receiver. Um, he's kind of he's got like track star speed, and he's about six four, so he's not the most uh, polished defensive back yet. But he's got some really intriguing uh, physical tools over there. So, you know, it's a defense that can get things done. I wouldn't be completely surprised and you know stunned if they are able to to finally be the team that holds USF under thirty. But you know, you might go for fifty on us, and that wouldn't totally surprise me either. All right, so let's let's get to a little off the field stuff, and we can get back to football. But um. You have USF's former provost, Renu Katar, as your university president. She was maybe the most beloved administrator I've ever seen at the University of South Florida. Was that Anthony Rue there at the time? He, mm-hmm. Fair? I mm-hmm. think that's fair. Just someone that we all thought was an absolute rock star and has, it appears, done an amazing job for Houston, not just in getting an on-campus football stadium built, but her leadership during the hurricane, the things that we've seen in terms of, you know, making UH much more part of the city and, and bringing in different partners. Um, just talk about her and, and the things that she's done that you guys get to see on a day-to-day basis um, out in the community and as you know, friends of the program. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. She's a rock star, and that is the way she's treated. And I didn't, uh, I didn't ever think I would was would see a, a university president that was just as beloved universally as as Dr. Couture is. That just there, there are few people in any segment of society that are really as universally loved. Um, by the people that you know that they represent as uh, as Dr. Couture is at U of H. She's you know had this this very strong vision since she got here of turning the University of Houston from a school that has this kind of reputation as a you know a backup school, a commuter school, that kind of thing, and has you know has really driven hard and uh, you know pushing for pushing forward both academically and athletically. Um, as a fan of the the athletic department, it's it's been very exciting to see that she is you know she is not a, she's not going to accept mediocrity. She's aware of the ramifications of, uh, of of having a good athletic program, especially, you know, and I think she's just aware of the fact that, you know, the way the instability of the the conference landscape and knowing even academically the benefits that you can get from, you know, being being affiliated with better schools, you know, she she has that drive to get to get U of H into a uh, into a power conference, and she knows that you know you have to spend money to get there. We've seen 
uh, you know, the brand new football stadium. They're, they're completely renovating the, uh, the basketball stadium this year. Um, they just finished the brand new uh, indoor practice indoor practice facility uh, for football right next to the football stadium there. You know, the baseball stadium every year, it's, you know, coming out with a new scoreboard, a new turf or a new development facility. So she's she's very much been driving the spending money on athletics and and, you know, continuing to raise the profile of, of the university in, in all segments. And she, you know, she she's out there at games every time. You know, it's, it's hard to go to a football game and not see her because she's constantly moving around and interacting with people. And uh, yeah, it's 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 it is like the rock star is, is really the only way I can describe it. And it's, it's something pretty, pretty neat. And it's, it's great to see that that the University of Houston is, is taking itself a little more. I don't know if I want to say seriously, not that they weren't doing that before, but they're, you know, they're they're really fighting hard to uh, to increase their their profile, whether it's academically or athletically, and uh, and Dr. Couture is definitely leading that. It's so funny, to, you know, you see, I mean, she was with USF for 17 years in a, in a few different roles, and you see her now, and everybody at USF knew she was a rock star, and so when they lost her, it was it was a blow, and now like she's out there, you know, taking selfies with Tillman Fertitta, you know, <laughs> you know, out there on Twitter, and it's just like. Man, that is like you know, for someone of uh, as an Indian immigrant to do what she's done for that city, it's it's been amazing to watch. So, you stole one of our good ones, that's for sure. What uh, what do you think? What's your uh, have you seen gotten to see USF play at all this so far this year? And uh, what do you think about your matchup this week? Yeah, I've uh, I've seen at least at least bits and pieces of, of most of the games. Sam and I both tried pretty hard to uh, to stay up just for no other reason that we do a we do a pick 'em every week on our pick, on our uh, podcast, and I don't want to. Don't want to get embarrassed not knowing my team. So I've definitely definitely been watching them. I've been very curious to see how the whole Charlie Strong experiment plays out. Um, I'm terrified of uh, of Quentin Flowers for sure, and uh, just that offense, knowing how consistent they are, and you know putting up 30 points every game. It seems like you know even if they have a they have a slow start or something, you know by the end of the game you look up and they've scored 30, 35, 40 points, whatever it is. So I just yeah I just I, I would like to feel more confident about this game than I am, but going on the road and just like I said, there's we've seen very few examples of both sides of the ball playing playing complete games and I think that uh, the USF has got things rolling a little bit better right now so I certainly think there there's a universe where U of H wins where you know they get you know one of their better games this year from from the offense and one of the better games of the year from the defense and you know maybe, maybe the cosmic dice will roll will roll double six on uh, on Saturday or something like that but uh, but frankly I'd be surprised if if U of H pulls this one out and you know, I'm feeling a little bit pessimistic. Even the nine points. I know you, you y'all did struggle with uh, with Tulane this past week, so y'all aren't coming into this off of the best uh, the best performance ever either. Um, but I, I still think uh, you know I would be surprised and probably pleasantly surprised if U of H keeps this one within a score uh, on Saturday. Awesome. Yeah, we're we're not super excited about uh, USF right now. We're the we're the most negative than anyone's ever been for a team that's <laughs> won 11 in a row and has now not lost a game in 360. Seven days? 367 days. 367 days since we've lost a football game and we're all like panicking over here. Um, USF just hasn't put a full complete game together yet. They have, um, I mean, you, you can see the top end, you know, top end talent on both sides of the ball. Like the defense has had outstanding games. The offense mm-hmm. has put together some really good stuff, but they haven't really been able to string it together for 60 minutes. You're up 37, or 34 7 on Tulane, you know, and all they just shut it down and gave up three straight touchdowns late. And if uh, Tulane had found a way to recover an onside kick, it would have been a really, really scary moment. So I, I think USF probably feels like they can win this one. It's probably going to be the toughest challenge they've had all season. But there's definitely buyback in from the program from from a fan perspective. You know, we had you know, our best crowd in a long time at the last game. 
matchup wise, you know, this defense forces turnovers. You know, number one in, in turnovers, number one in turnover margin in the country right now. And we have seen Houston uh, not be afraid to, to cough it up every once in a while. So if the Bulls can find a way to get two or three turnovers, I feel good about their chances. But, you know, USF does need to, to take this game seriously because, again, they haven't seen anybody as good as Houston yet, and we haven't really seen them tested. So when they get hit in the mouth, are they going to be able to hit back? I think that'll be interesting to see. It's going to be a big question. And yeah, defensively, what do you guys do? What's your base formation? Do you guys like to blitz or play zone, man? What, what do you guys typically like to do defensively? Yeah, we kind of have, have gone back and forth between like a 3-4 and a 3-3-5. And we, we've seen a lot of, you know, a lot of times they'll, they'll kind of match up, you know, or, or switch it up. You know, sometimes they'll, they'll apply heavy pressure. And then they've actually done a really good job until this Memphis game, or I guess the, the Tulsa game as well, is they've done a really good job of uh, packing it in once once teams get inside uh, the red zone. Um, we, we had something like, I think, until you know, before the Tulsa game, it was something like the, when the opponent got inside the 40-yard the line, we only, gave, we only gave up any points at all. It was like 50% of the time or something like that. So they had, had done a really good job of kind of, you know, doing the bend but don't break. Um, but then we've seen times when they, they go, you know, real heavy with the pressure for a couple of plays in a row to get to the quarterback. So uh, I wouldn't say there's been one uh, one definitive style, but, but you know, other than, um, yeah, like I said, just the bend don't um, don't break inside. Uh, and so the red zone has been successful for the most part. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's been hard with, the, with, like, the injuries, like I said, to, uh, to Matthew Adams in the secondary not playing as well as of late. Uh, it does feel like the, the defensive identity that was there early is kind of uh, starting to see some see some cracks in the facade so i'm gonna steal uh, before we get you out of here uh, i'm gonna steal an idea from our buddy jp at fear the wave block who i'm sure you know as well um for sure. uh jp ends podcast and he goes tell me what the box score looks like for a houston victory what what things jump out at you on the box score so if houston finds a way to win this game what's what's that box score going to look like for houston i think the box score is going to look like uh duke catalan had a big game had you know over 100 yards a mobile car came in and, and you know had 50 60 yards as the the secondary back and uh, and like you said the turnovers I think it has to be Kyle Postma zero or at max one interception um, probably in that game I think if the Cougs are able to establish the run game and Postma is able to hold on to the ball then you know I think the defense can do enough things in spurts um, to make this one potentially interesting so I think that's uh, that's how it would have to happen uh, Postma long-term solution is he the guy well, he is a senior this year, so oh, uh, I don't know, even for the rest even for the rest of the year, I don't know. Um, I, I'll be very interested to see if we lose this one um, again, and it becomes more clear that uh, we're not going to compete for the West title this year. I'll be very interested to see do they look to a Kyle Allen to try to uh, assure him that he'll be the guy to you know kind of, you know hey we want you to come back for your senior year next year because he's he's graduated so he can move on again if he wants uh, after this year. So they may try to uh, court him to return. Or we may see uh, some reps from Derek King at quarterback, who is a, a true sophomore, was a four-star prospect who came in um, and has he's you know they've run some trick plays with him. He's played a bunch of wide receiver and he's he's an electric playmaker. He's just you know very our most dynamic player in in terms of you know getting the ball in space. So they may go more, uh, more uh, you know read option, run heavy uh, offense even more than they've done already, and uh, and bring in Derek King if things get bad enough. Gotcha. All right, Dustin, we appreciate the time, my man. Thank you so much. Thank you. uh, We will uh, see you on Saturday. Yeah, enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Thanks.